Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joined today, he's the podcast host of the Resilient Man Project. It's Jonathan York. How are you doing today, Jonathan? I'm great, Alex. That's, if I'm being honest, just a bit under the weather, but uh, certainly glad to be here. Wouldn't miss this for anything. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we'd like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. Okay. Well, I uh, I was born in South Atlanta. Uh, man, I had a, you know, when when we get into my story, you'll see there, there really wasn't much of a childhood. Um, I was big into sports, I guess, for, for a while, but I didn't have your typical childhood. So it's a hard question for me to answer. Talk about your childhood. Where was the first challenge that you faced? Well, my earliest memory um, is uh, I'm about two and a half, three years old, and it's my mom on a mattress, laying on a mattress, either uh, hungover or something to do with drugs or something, and me trying to open a can of potato soup and can't get it open and going to her and getting her to help me open it. So that's like my, that's my first memory. So those those are the types of things that, that I was surrounded by pretty much my entire life. Just at that young of an age, did you feel alone, isolated, like I have to fend for myself at such a young age. Yeah, absolutely. When the when the memory kind of came to me as I've been kind of doing this inner work and I, I got those very feelings um, as I remembered it, um, just feeling alone and, and unsafe for sure. Did you have anyone that you could talk to about these things that were going on in the household? No, not at all. I, uh, I I bounced around from from grandmother to mom. Uh, ended up with dad at five, uh, but over there it was alcohol. At, at my mom's, it was it was hard drugs and pain pills and stuff. So there was something everywhere I looked, and there was really no. I mean, I guess there was grandparents. I never did for whatever reason really talk about it. Um, but there really wasn't a safe place for me to for me to talk about things like that. Not that I can recall anyway. At that young of an age, did you understand what was going on? Like why certain decisions were happening that your mom was doing or things that were going on in the household, like the items that you were seeing? Not necessarily. Um, You know, it it was really, I mean, even as I got a little bit older, um, the area I grew up in, it was, it was everywhere there as well. So, I mean, really it was just like a normal part of life. I think it, it never really uh, felt, you know, I guess I, I thought everybody's life maybe was like that or something because I, I never really remember those feelings. You said you were moving around to different households at such a young age. When you moved, did it ever get better for you? Did you kind of feel like you could enjoy being a child again? Um, I mean, once I got settled in with dad at five, I mean, there, there were some alcohol issues and stuff, but they were, you know, they worked every day and we ate. Every night, you know, I mean, we were definitely lower income and, and definitely in a rough, in a rough part of town. But I had, you know, a best friend and we would go run around the woods and stuff like that. So, I mean, there were some aspects of a, of a normal um, childhood. I wouldn't say that I had like the quote unquote, um, like really normal though until high school. You talked about that friend where you guys were out in nature. Was that a way to kind of escape everything that was going on where you could just go have fun and kind of not really think about what's going on. You know, now that you say that we had an unbelievable imagination. We were always 
using our imagination to take us places for sure. And I never really connected those dots, but I, absolutely. I'm sure that was the reason. Do you remember those kind of imagination things that you guys were coming up with? Yeah. I mean, just, you know, typical boy stuff playing war and and we'd kind of pack a little lunch and, you know, leave for the day and like act like we're camping and um, things like that. Even camp in the yard at overnight. And, you know, we definitely had all those types of uh, little adventures. I mean, that at that age, kids are thinking about so many different things. Using their imagination is the best part, especially at a young age. But I even did that with my friends. We're just imagining forts and things like that. But that's what's being about being a kid, having fun, coming up with those crazy ideas and just going to enjoy. You talked about camping. Looking now, are, do you still like that kind of stuff? Like the nature, the outdoors? Has it kind of still kept with you till now? I do enjoy it. I don't make time for it like I probably should. But yes, I do enjoy it. And I do, you know, I say pretty consistently around here that I'm going to take my son camping and stuff like that. So I think there's still a a pull towards that. Um, And I probably should make more time for that. I think it would probably do me some good. Did you have anyone that was a motivator for you, an inspiration in your life as you're getting older? I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, as I got out of prison, I mean, I don't know how much you want me to kind of jump around, but I definitely had some later on um, as I got out of prison, for sure. When was that time in high school that you mentioned high school, it kind of gotten a little better? Mm-hmm. It was le- What was leading up to that time? Well, we moved, we got, we kind of you know, advanced out of the really rough kind of out into the suburbs. And I had, a you know, your typical uh, high school where we drank and smoked tons and tons of weed. And I mean, but it was like, I mean, it was pretty normal. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, none none of my friends at that point knew that really the life that I had led up to that point. So things, I mean, I had a high school sweetheart and, you know, things got pretty normal for a few years until uh, I got, out of high school and married. And then that's when like addiction really kind of came out of me. It was in my twenties. And then it was a rough ride for probably 20 to, you know, like I said, I got out of prison at like 33, 34. Having that exposure to drugs and alcohol at a young age, was it hard to kind of not try to be involved in that going into high school? Cause high school is usually that experimental, like p- the kids are starting to kind of see it more often, but was there ever a part where you're like, I don't want to do this because of what you witnessed in the past? No, it was the opposite. I had been exposed to it at such a young age, started, you know, smoke, smoke pot for the first time in like seventh grade, drank a 40 for the first time, in like sixth grade. So I was kind of ahead of, of everybody at high school. So I probably led the charge a little bit on that end um, just because I was kind of familiar with it. I had, I had the friends, you know, back where I grew up that could get get it. So probably the opposite. Was it a way of kind of staying in the group or fitting into the crowd was getting involved in those things? I think so. I mean, I I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the escape. I enjoyed the, the numbness. I, I just enjoyed the alternate kind of world that you live in, you know, when you're high on something. You talked about after high school, getting married. And is was it at a young age? Uh, yeah, um, first daughter at 20, first son at 21, married at 22. 
Was it a lot of responsibility that came really quick? Was it something that you prepared for or it just kind of happened? It just kind of happened. Did not prepare for it at all. And uh, ill-prepared and, you know, I think maybe getting the pressure of, of all of a sudden having a pregnant wife and things like that and really not being equipped, never never seeing what a, a proper marriage really looks like or, or a proper role model really looks like. Um, so I, I just went completely the other way, um, really, really bad in my 20s. Talk about that going the opposite way. What was going through your mind and where did it lead to? Yeah. So when we, when I bought my first house, um, and my daughter was born, uh, man, I, there's this, ran into this guy on the road where we bought the house who sold meth. And, uh, it was, that's the, my kind of first real introduction to those, that type of a drug. And man, when that entered my life, I double life running around pathological liar, basically not taking care of any of my responsibilities, foreclosed on my first home. I mean, just, a real piece of crap, if, if I'm being honest, for, for quite a few years. So my wife, you know, she hung around for 10 years trying to hang in there with me, and eventually she had enough. Um, and then when we divorced, uh, right at, right after my 30th birthday, uh, I just spiraled out of control and went even harder for about a year and a half uh, running the streets and kind of became the right-hand man to a pretty, pretty well-known drug dealer and, um, man, just – went crazy, to be honest, and like I said, landed in prison for three years. What was the hardest things with your battle with addiction, with having a kid and trying to be there for your family and things like that? Just not being able, not choosing to stop, not being able to stop. You know, you just sit there and you're staring at it and you know it's not what you should be doing and you do it anyway and that happens over and over and over again really kind of instills you know that in you that you know you're just not a strong not a very good person or or whatever did you feel that you needed to hit rock bottom to kind of wake you wake yourself up like I have to make a change yeah I say that you know prison is one of the best things that ever happened to me uh it allowed me to be clear-headed for the first time. Let's see. I mean, let's say I smoked weed for the first time at, let's just say 12, mm-hmm. um, from 12 to 32. So 22 years, it's pretty much high on something on a daily basis. Um, one, you know, one thing or another. Now, I mean, in those younger years, I won't say daily basis, but certainly as I get into high school and through my 20s, a daily basis. So, you know, if if I hadn't gotten locked up and went to prison, who knows? I probably wouldn't be here talking to you today, to be honest. Um, that was, you know, I kind of, for the first time, woke up after about a three-week nap because I'd probably been up for a month and uh, looked around and, and I could kind of share a story or two, but just looked around and said, man, this is not for me. This is not where I want to be. Um, and And really started to build a foundation of faith in there and really started to kind of almost being a man of integrity sounds kind of weird, but kind of being a man of integrity inside and then kind of carried that through. Before going into prison, did the drugs, alcohol and all that play a physical effect on you? Did it kind of mess with your physicality or mental emotions, things like that? I'm sure it messed with my emotions and mental. I mean, I don't see, 
they can't do those mind altering drugs at the rate that I was doing them and not have them. I mean, I'm sure I was short fused, short tempered, you know, roller coaster of emotions. I mean, I can only imagine uh, what it was like to live with me. You know, it's hard to see from your own eyes at sometimes, but I, I'm sure for sure. With your children, have you been open to them at the age that if they get closer to that same age where you started experiencing all the items that you prepare them so that they have the knowledge that you maybe didn't have at the time? Yeah, man, for sure. Um, my older two that I had that I mentioned before, they're they're 20 and 21 now. I mean, they know my full story. They're they're I mean, we have an unbelievably good relationship at this point. Um, you know, I've been able to turn it around and and kind of use my life for something positive. And, and it's, uh, you know, I can definitely feel uh, that they're proud of me and that makes me really happy. With prison, usually people go through detox where they're away from the drugs. Was that a big thing for you to kind of get sober or did it get tempting to want to go back to the drugs? Cause people were getting it in and out of prison somehow. Yeah, no, once I got in there, um, and, and I was clear headed, uh, I can say that I used the time to really mentally, I did a lot of visual, I'm a, I'm a big believer in law of attraction and visual, visualization. And it's because I spent so much time in there thinking about my life outside. And then I get out and man, it's just been on fire, you know, to kind of make that happen. Um, so I really used the time I, re- I read. I mean, I, I really just tried to better myself. Um, I, I definitely didn't take, you know, worked out, all those things. Um, I definitely didn't at all stray towards drugs again. Now, we can get into my story a little bit more if you want, where I get out. And within like the first week or so, my mom overdoses and is in ICU for a week. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, about three weeks or three months or so later, my sister overdoses and passes away in some crappy motel room in Atlanta. And then about three or four months after that, I find my mom overdosed by suicide on my lunch break. Um, so all that happened within about a year of getting out. And after that day with mom, I relapsed for about two months. Was it hard with all those items hitting back to back to back after you're getting out of prison and trying to get on that straight path? For your life yeah absolutely it was hard um it was uh you know uh but but the foundation that i had built and then the work that i had done inside um like i said i found my mom on my lunch break she overdoses on pain pills i pick up a handful off the floor eat them that day and i started you know going down the wrong path for about two months or so um but i was able to recognize it and like for the first time, handle the situation like a man is supposed to handle it. And I, I called my wife and I was like, hey, this happened. This is where I am. I need help. We got in touch with, you know, my pastor and, and just got me help. And, you know, I, I definitely hyper-focused on my career. I think it was, I'm sure that was how I was kind of dealing with it. Um, then I made, you know, substantial strides professionally. And I think that's just because I just zeroed in on that and just trying to forget everything else for a while. Did you feel a sense of power that you had to be able to call your wife after 
two months to get help where before you kind you were keep going, continue, continue until you got to that rock bottom. That is a sense of power that you were able to make that change and want to get better. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it gave me like the confidence or the confirmation that I was not the same man. And that was, that was a big deal. I think a lot of people, they kind of are afraid to ask for help and they don't want to feel that guilt or they don't want to feel bad because they're at that low in their life. But I feel that's such so much power because they're willing to do anything to get better and reaching out no matter what situation you're going to. It's important because we're all humans. We want to be better. We want to support each other. And your friends, family, they don't know what's going on until you tell them what's going on. And this was your way of telling what was going on in your life? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. It's and it's kind of in a way what resilient man is about. Um, it's about you know me kind of going first and sharing and being vulnerable in hopes that other men would would you know um, come and share their story. And that's exactly what's happened. And I feel like that a lot of men, you know, they're really everybody's going through something. Everybody's in the middle of something. Um, and men have a hard time sometimes, you know, being vulnerable, but I, a lot of times they're just kind of waiting on somebody to go first. And you would be absolutely amazed if you kind of be vulnerable and go first of what you'll hear back. I think sometimes people wait to hear someone say, I'm going through this. And that kind of gives them the courage to say, I'm going through that also. But like you said, they're waiting for someone to make that first step so that they can make the second step. But I think there's, you just have to talk about it because you don't know who's listening out there or who's going to be able to relate. And that's how people connect nowadays, especially with this show. People are sharing their stories and someone listening to this, they might be able to relate to your story or gone through something similar and that you be able to connect with you on those things. Yeah, absolutely, man. That, that's absolutely right. And that's the hope. You know, that's the hope that, you know, uh, I tear my story, you share yours and, and, and it reaches somebody who's about to go through it or who's in the middle of it or, you know, it's coming down the road at them. And, and then they have, you know, the lessons that you learned and they're kind of more prepared for, for whatever's coming. And that's the whole idea for sure. Looking at your prison experience, what was the biggest thing it taught you about yourself? Hmm. I mean, I'm I'm really good at. I'm really self-aware now. And I think that, that a lot of that came from, from, you know, you have to watch yourself and watch your back and you have to kind of handle yourself and carry yourself a certain way. And, uh, and, and, and you have to be able to kind of read people. Um, and I think those things have served me really well. Um, so I, I think the fact that me going through prison is, has made me way more self-aware than a lot of people. How have you been able to use self-aware in your life now? By learning it from in prison, it's one way, but taking it out into the real world, it's a different way. But how have you been able to do that for yourself? I mean, I just, you know, uh, I look at situations and I, and I, I can see my own fault in them and, and I can see how I could have handled things better. I could see how, I mean, you know, I'm not perfect by any means. I still, you know, screw up and, you know, come across the wrong way, but typically I, I can kind of feel it when it happens and I can kind of correct it. I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing is just um, understanding who I am and, and you know who I want to be. And it's one of those things, it doesn't happen overnight. We're always learning about 
who we are, what we can do, what we can't do over time. You say, you just said like, we all make mistakes. I still make mistakes. If someone out there says they're perfect, that's probably a lie because we're all, it's a learning experience every single day we wake up. Yeah. Only one man I know that's ever been perfect. During this time, did you ever think about from a career path, what you wanted to do with your life? Cause you started going through addiction at a young age. You started going into prison. What was that career path that you were wanting? What was that dream job that if you could have had at the beginning, you would want to do? Oh, I don't know that I never really thought about the dream job. I mean, every, you know, that's one thing about me is, is even through the addiction and everything, even in my twenties and all that, like every job that I've had, had, I've promoted extremely fast and I've been a leader and a manager. I mean, even as a shit show, I don't want to find cuss, sorry. You're You're the shit show of my life is, you know, behind closed doors. Like I was always able to, you know, carry myself in a way that, you know, um, and progress. Like my one of my first main jobs was at Applebee's. I started like as a fry cook and wound up being the youngest kitchen manager in the company and running the busiest kitchen in the company, training other managers all at 21 until I got fired for snorting meth in the bathroom. But that's beside the point. I mean, I've always just, I've all, and, and, and even moving forward, you know, like I said, I got out of eight, eight bucks an hour, um, you know, to six figures to a quarter million bucks in five years. And this is all a convicted felon and then started my own company. Um, so I've always had a really good work ethic and a really good mind for, you know, for, for business. Having that work ethic, did it ever get too much pressure for you? Maybe because you talked about how you got fired from doing it, but did the pressure ever get to you or you like that ch- next challenge of where can I move up in the company and things like that? Yeah, I'm definitely wired like, uh, you know, once, once one challenge is kind of, um, you know, been defeated or whatever, I'm on to the next one. And, you know, over these past few months, watching Resilient Man and getting all that stuff going and running the company and off kids and all that. I've gotten overwhelmed on a weekly basis. So that's <laughs> um, this podcast thing, it's great. I love it, but it's uh it's a lot more work and pressure, I think, than people um people realize. I can one hundred percent agree with that. If I told the people exactly what I do, they'd be like, Oh no, it that's much easier. I go, come in my shoes one day and do everything I try to do because I don't have a team that does it for me. I'm a one person show doing it all. Me too, trying to do a little advertising and editing. And and, I mean, and you're talking about someone, I mean, kind of got bits and pieces of my story. Well, there was no time in there for much college or school or like anything like that. So I'm very technologically like unadvanced. So, I mean, it takes me twice as long to do everything. And it's an absolute nightmare at times. I mean, I've published it, you know, supposed to publish at 4 a.m. And I've like finished at 3.30 a.m. twice, you know, just. It's been insane, but we got it done so far. It's been stressful. But talking about that, where some people that are coming out of prison, that they don't get that education experience, but you're willing to take on something and learn as you go. For someone that's listening that might be going through something similar, they just got out of prison and they're trying to find, how can I learn? How can I get involved in something? What would you tell them? I would tell them the time is never going to be perfect. If they're going to sit around and wait for the perfect time, they're going to be waiting forever. Uh, I mean, I'm in the belief that you just kind of go for it and the clarity in motion. You may screw some things up, but, uh, man, just get started. You know, whatever it is, whatever you want to do in this life, just get started. Just go. 
Speaking more on the Resilient Man Project, what has been the greatest thing about doing that for you? Man, just the conversations that I've been able to have with people like you and other people from all over the country that I never would have gotten to meet before, never would have gotten to have conversations before. Um, from like the social media side, um, the inboxes, hundreds of messages of people in the middle of recovery or people in the middle of this and that. And I've been able to really help some people and stuff. And it has been just the most fulfilling thing. And uh, I, I love it. I mean, I'm hoping that I can get to a point to where my flooring company kind of handles itself. And this is really where my heart is. This is what I want to do full time. I'm, I'm trying to get into public speaking and, and all kinds of stuff, share my story and share what I've been through. And this is really what I want to do. Is there an episode that you've done that you've learned something and you try to utilize it and adapt into your life? Yeah, I'm sure there has been. Um, I mean, I'm only like nine episodes in. The first two were just me. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had some amazing conversations on, I mean, we've gotten into some um, pretty touchy subjects too, which I'm kind of proud of, you know, that I think that need to be brought to light, you know, talked about more and, and things like that. Um, I can't really think of one thing, you know, off the top of my head that I've learned and tried to implement, but I've had some awesome conversations, like I said, about some topics like division in America with a, you know, another African-American gentleman that I met and you know we've got to kind of get into some hard-hitting con you know conversations and it's been awesome with those touchy subjects do you feel that when you're talking about it there's a mission for it there's a message because you're open to be able to talk about those things while some people are afraid to talk about those topics yeah I definitely think that my life has given me a very unique perspective I tell people that I'm just as comfortable in the trap house as I am the boardroom, you know, and that's a kind of a rare thing. Um, and, and it just allows me to see things from, from perspectives that a lot of people can't see things from. And there's a few things that, you know, and one of them that's really heavy on my heart is, you know, I feel like we are intentionally divided and it just drives me insane. You mentioned that you're an owner of a company. What has been the biggest thing or challenge you have faced being an owner of a company? Well, I started it, and then like a week later, Russia invaded Ukraine, and inflation started. So the biggest challenge I've had has just been, man, it's just been a tough year to start a company. I waited till probably the worst possible moment, but uh, made a lot of mistakes and, and kind of had to pivot and stuff. We're in a pretty good path now, pretty good place now, but it's been a freaking challenge for sure. During the time that you've had the company, ha facing those challenges, how do you stay focused on the task at hand? I mean, I just know it's all on me and, there, you know, I have no financial backing. I really have no family to fall back on. I don't I mean, I have, you know, a wife and five kids and like it's on me. So I'm super focused and just I just kind of have that personality. That I'll do whatever it takes to, to make it happen and get through it. Would you ever, like you mentioned that you want to do the podcast full time. Do, would you miss being a part of your company as that owner? Or do you feel that you're ready for that next chapter for yourself? Um, I'm very purpose driven as I turned four. I'm 42 now. As I kind of turned 40, I'm very like purpose driven. If it's not something that's going to make impact, um, and, you know, flooring, sure, it makes an impact in somebody's home or somebody's business or whatever. But 
I want to make some like real legacy impact. I want to leave my name, you know, I want, I'm, and that's, that's really where my heart is. I want to, I guess maybe it's because I spent so many years kind of going the wrong direction. Maybe I'm trying to make up for lost time or something, but <laughs> I want to, I want, you know, I want to make an impact and, and leave a legacy that, that my kids can be proud of. That's what I'm at. With someone that has faced a lot in their life, mental health is definitely a key thing that takes part in your life. How do you handle mental health? And someone that's go- listening, going through similar situations, what would you tell them to help in their situation? Yeah, mental health near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, my mom suffered from a few mental illnesses, and then you mix the you know alcoholism and, and the drug addiction to it, and you know the last six months of, and then she lost her daughter and all that stuff. So in the last six months of her life, she was basically, you know, insane, if I'm being honest. And, and uh, I did kind of deal with that and watch that. Um, and I would just say, you know, if you struggle with, with those types of mental illnesses, just please leave the drugs and alcohol alone because when you mix that stuff together, it's just, it's devastating. So during the show, we have talked about your journey and your path, but our guests, our listeners love to learn more about the individual that we had. Is there anything that people don't know about you that you enjoy doing now in your stage of life? Man, now it's just, it's really about, like I said, that, that purpose. And man, I'm, I'm all in on being a public speaker for some weird reason. And it's, I mean, if you knew me from like, last 40 years you'd be like what because i mean i'm talking about you know i'm already introverted type of person and then when you go through the traumatic events and then you go through prison and all these things they really kind of messes with your social skills things are getting a little better now but uh man i really something about just standing in front of a a room of people and changing lives i don't know man it just fires me up that's that's where my heart is that's where i'm hoping to get with public speaking, do you have a big message that you want to be able to share to the public and be in on that stage sharing? What is that big message you want to share? First of all, is that that you're stronger than you think you are, and that uh, you know, as you get through these challenges in life, because we all are going through them, we all have them. But you know, you kind of in the moment, you don't know if you're going to make it through. And you get to that other side and you build a little confidence and you build a little resilience. <clears throat> and then I'm a man of faith. If you can mix in, you know, a personal relationship with Christ, you kind of combine those two things. And all of a sudden, man, you become an unstoppable force. Is there a speaker that you've listened to that you kind of have that goal or vision to be like? I mean, I love Ed Milet, but he's probably one of the biggest. I mean, there's, I don't know, man, anybody with passion that's real, um, you know, that brings a, a certain bit of spirituality to it. Um, that's a big part of my life and a big part of what's gotten me through the past, you know, 20 years or whatever you want to say. And uh, that's the part that's grown and grown and grown inside of me. I think that's made everything else possible. You've mentioned a few times being resilient and that is something that your title of your show but you also took the hold of what does that word really mean to you because similar to me my show title I live by that motto rise to the challenge of anything I face being resilient what does that mean to you see I I think resilience is it's like this this reservoir of strength that you have inside of you right everybody has it some people are born with a little more than others probably um it's a, it's a skill though. You know, it's something that you can build through life's trials. You can build through daily habits. 
Um, it's a diminishing skill as well. You know, if you're comfortable too long and, and then adversity hits, you don't quite handle it as well. So you kind of have to stay diligent. So I, I'm big on daily habits. I'm big on, um, you know, keeping those promises to yourself and, and getting that 1% better like everybody talks about. Man, this stuff is really, really important. Um, and I, I also believe that, you know, your your physical, your mental, your spiritual, all these things are really one thing. They're all connected. If one thing's off, everything's off. So you kind of have to, you know, pay attention to everything at once. You talked about family being important to you. What's the biggest thing with your journey and experience that you're wanting to keep a promise to, to your family? Man, that's a good question. I mean, just that I'm going to do whatever it takes to, you know, leave a legacy and, and leave, leave a name behind that, that they're proud of. And, and, you know, you know, I just want, you know, the few people that have really stood beside me and, and never given up on me to be proud of the man that I'm you definitely should be proud because you're here speaking, being open about your story, because it takes a lot of courage to be able to do that in front of a platform that so many people will be able to listen and be inspired by your story. So it's very honoring to be able to share it with the public, your story. Yeah, man, it, it's been it's been so unbelievably well received. And I've just been humbled and I mean, beyond ecstatic about the traction and the growth that we've seen. And I, I really think it's becoming something that uh, it's going to make a difference. We have a virtual event scheduled in February, a live event scheduled, scheduled in May already. Um, I don't know, man, it, it feels like something big. I'm just humbled and blessed to have been given the keys to this car, I guess you could say. A fun question. Do you have any fun goals that you have for yourself in the future? You don't have to say like five years, but looking forward to something fun that you have for yourself. Yeah, I don't, man, I don't do fun that well, but I tell you something <laughs> I really would like to do. And that's, uh, it's not the Spartan race. There's one that's kind of like it. It's uh, obstacles and stuff. I can't remember what it's called, but was it? Is that a Tough Mudder? No, it wasn't a Tough Mudder. It was a different one, but it, it sounded really fun. And I was like, that's going to be a goal. So I've kind of, it comes to Georgia. That's where I'm at. I think year after next. So we're going to kind of circle that and and um and do that. But man, like I I that's just sold my golf clubs and like I just I don't know, man. It's like if it's not if it's not purpose driven, I just I don't, I don't have time for it right now. It's it's a really weird. I used to be this huge football fan, like huge, like such a big part of my identity, college football. And then, dude, I could care less. Like just in the <laughs> unreal. I don't even know what's going on I had a friend who wanted to do a Tough Mudder, and he finally convinced me to sign up for one. And you talked about purpose and driven to be doing it. I always made it to my goal. I want to cross that finish line. I've been on a health and fitness journey, and I'm like, this is for me. I'm doing it for myself. I'm not doing it for anyone else, but I'm going to be proud when I'm able to complete it. I don't care if it takes me 10 hours to do it or three hours. As long as I cross that finish line, I'm happy. Because That's I right. went out to do what I wanted to do. That's right. You said you have you you're doing one. You've done one, or you're doing one. I have never done one because I used to be ashamed of what I looked like or not confident in my fitness. And I have been working hard, and I'm excited to test myself in a fun way, like obstacle courses. 
Yeah, man, that's awesome. I'm, I'm the same way. I, I mean, the the guy that you look and you see in front of you in in 2020 was 60 pounds heavier. So, man, I've been on a health journey myself over the past 18, 19 months. I've it's been like I was saying before. I kind of connected those dots that that all of these things are are really one thing. And if I mean, if you're going to be the person that that you intended to be, you got to kind of have control of all of them. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? It's pretty simple. Just keep freaking moving forward. One step at a time, you're going to fall sometimes, you're going to you know, you're going to doubt yourself. Just keep putting that next step forward and don't give up and just do not stop. Jonathan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you, Alex. I sure appreciate you having me. Tune in next time here. My next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms. And make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.